We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. We're doing a special live episode on the Spotify Green Room app, talking to you after the Bulls get their sixth straight win in the first game after the All-Star break, a 112-108 victory over the Atlanta Hawks. The Bulls do it. How else, Jason? With Another clutch performance from DeMar DeRozan, including another game-winning basket, the go-ahead bucket, to put the Bulls in front uh, in their final true offensive possession. He just rises to the occasion every single damn game, Jason. Now eight straight with 35 or more. I've never seen anything like this, man. This was truly incredible to watch. He's been doing it game in and game out. How are you feeling after watching this win? Yeah, I mean, this was very close to being a very bad loss. I mean, the Hawks, the Hawks have been a weird team all season. They got a lot of talent. We saw that today. I mean, Trey Young had a bad game, but we saw Bogdan Bogdanovich and Danilo Gallinari go off down the stretch. And they, after the Bulls went up eight there in the fourth, 102-94, the Hawks went on a big run. Bulls were in big trouble, down three late. And like you said, DeMar, mid, mid-range maestro, two straight mid-range buckets. The second one was an and one hits the free throw Nikola Vucevic some huge defense on Bogdanovich on the three-point attempt to force a tough three Javante gets the board ice in the veins at the line with two clutch free throws win the game yeah I mean huge with the Bulls needed to win this game because like even though the Hawks they're decent but again with the schedule coming up and we talked about this on our last pod the Bulls schedule down the second half of this or after the all-star break here is really tough and we got Grizzlies coming up we got the Heat. There's a Sixers game coming up. The Bucks next week. All these tough games. So the Hawks being a team that are basically a fringe play-in team right now, 
at home, you got to win this game. And the Bulls kind of controlled this game most of the, most of the night, but they didn't play that great. Like DeMar was awesome. Again, another huge performance for him, but like the rest of the team wasn't great offensively. Vooch struggled with the shot. Zach struggled with his shot for most of the night. Some bad sh- shot selection from him, but, uh, so they really kind of needed to get this game. And again, like, as you said, DeMar is coming up huge down the stretch with, because they kind of went away from him there. I think they, Zach did a little too much dribbling. I thought on a few possessions down the stretch, some tough, some bad shots. There was a bad turnover, but go back to tomorrow when they needed it down three mid range shot. And also got a huge defensive possession from IO who stopped Trey young. And IO was awesome on Trey young all night. Trey young was trying to pull his, he, he, he got IO a few times on some bullshit fouls, which is what Trey young does, but huge, a huge block on Trey young, uh, right after Demar's first mid-range, and then Demar hit the second one to, for the game winner there. So huge from Demar. Great to get this win. Bulls are 39 and 21, six wins in a row. Uh, so you have to just feel good about getting that win because it, it was very close to feeling like a really bad loss. Totally. I mean, this was all DeRozan late. Yeah. What was so interesting about this game is that. We've seen it a few other times this year when teams have just gone to like the straight double against DeRozan late in the fourth quarter. But uh, the Hawks were doing it early because DeRozan was immediately on fire in this game. He had 20 points with like 10 minutes left in the second quarter. So he was just crushing it right away. Then the Hawks start throwing two at him basically every time down the floor, whether they were trapping or they were like doubling with the center, cheating off whoever the guy in the dunker spot was. Uh, and then rotating on the back line, they were doing everything they could to have anyone but DeMar DeRozan beat them in this game. And to DeRozan's credit, we almost never see him force the issue. When he's doubled, he makes the right basketball play every time. Then it's on his teammates to sort of take advantage of the advantage. Like when they have a crease, uh, when they have like, you know, a a four-on-three advantage, they got to score on those possessions. And I think that, you know, having Zach Levine still probably pretty bothered by the knee in this game, I'm sure we'll talk more about Zach as this conversation goes on. Zach ended the night with 20 points, but to me, Zach was settling quite a bit. uh, Didn't get much going to the rim. Didn't seem like he was fully trusting the knee yet. So got to get Zach fully dialed in, fully healthy, Uh, And then just like adding Lonzo and Caruso, I think will give them more shooting and more ball movement uh, in terms of quick decision-making, 0.5 basketball on the floor when these teams start to double DeRozan. But what happens on the final possession of this game, Jason? The Hawks are a fraction of a second late with their double team. DeRozan immediately goes into his move, wastes no time, sets it up, spins the other way, gets the 15-foot jumper from the elbow, gets the and one, hits the free throw to put the Bulls ahead when they're down one, puts them up two. Uh, just just incredible, dude. He takes advantage of every single misstep by the opposing defense. It's like he's seeing the game in slow motion, man. I mean, it's just so easy to compare it to, you know, when Neo gets all of his powers in the Matrix and he just sees the bullets start flying slower and slower and he has all the time in the world to react to him. There's a play early in this game where DeRozan's driving at the top of the key on DeAndre Hunter. He pump fakes once. Hunter stays down, but like he almost jumped. Pump fakes again. Hunter basically overshoots his challenge. DeRozan, like nice, calm, easy step through. For the layup, you cannot rush to this guy. You cannot hurry him. 
And whenever uh, the game is on the line, he just consistently rises to the occasion time and time again. Never seen anything like it, man. And, uh, you know, the Bulls just get absolutely smoked in this game without DeRozan. Like, they would have so many more losses this year without DeMar. His ability to bail him out in late-game situations time and time again is just so remarkable, and uh, this was a premium example of it. Yeah, we've come a long way since that, that Knicks game earlier this season where DeMar kept the ball, airballed that game-winning shot, and we, everyone was like debating whether that should have gone to Zach and blah, blah, blah. Now, I mean, now we all just trust DeMar to do the right thing, and he basically has more often than not this entire season. That's why he's in the MVP conversation. I mean, again, I still don't think like he's going to win MVP, but like, I mean, he is making an incredible case right now for it. Like, I mean, Embiid, Giannis, Jokic, all like Jokic is like statistically having like historically great season. But like, if the Bulls somehow come out of the season as like the number one or number two seed, and Demar keeps doing this, like. Maybe he actually could win. I don't know. I feel I, I saw Draymond Green say, and Draymond like he knows ball. Like he's a really smart dude. Like Draymond's MVP right now is Demar Derozan. So like he's starting to get some serious hype for MVP. Uh, and like again, like where it's just like in terms of like when you think of just like pure like value, like where would the Bulls be without Demar? Like yeah, Zach is good. Vooch has been good, and obviously the Bulls have added a lot of talent, but they've had so many injuries. And DeMar is just so good in these late-game situations, taking over these games. The game winners that he's hit this season, it, it has completely changed this, the, this, this, this team this season. So, like, like I said, I, I keep, like, downplaying, like, DeMar's actual MVP chances. But shit, man, maybe, maybe he actually has a chance to win MVP this year. I, mean, I don't know. He's, he's been ridiculously good. It's been so fun to watch. I might be unique in this, but I almost don't really care. Oh, yeah, I don't really care MVP, either. Like, like, I I think that, you know, whoever's going to win the MVP, it's probably going to be Jokic, Giannis, or, or MB. Yeah, it's probably, probably but, one of those three. But what's more important to me, though, is that DeRozan's going to get a ton of recognition for this season. Yeah. I mean, individually, the team's success is a testament to his own individual greatness. Well, you know, the more important thing to me, Jace, is like, tell me why his offensive game is not going to work in the playoffs. Because everyone keeps waiting for the bottom to fall out with DeRozan, but his play keeps getting stronger and stronger as the season goes on. I do think just like the general workload on his legs should be something of a concern when you hit yeah. the final couple weeks of the regular season. But this dude just his keeps game getting is better and better, basically. Yeah. And then you think about, you know, okay, how is the playoffs different from the regular season? Well, the game typically slows down. It's more isolation-heavy possessions. And that sort of game just seems to suit DeRozan, this version of DeRozan, so, so well. Now, DeRozan does have something to prove, especially on a national scale, in the postseason because his career to this point has been defined by coming up short in the playoffs. But this is a different DeMar DeRozan from the player we saw losing to the Cavs and LeBron in the playoffs three straight years when he was in Toronto. I think this is a guy who is just in total control of the game when he has the ball late. It is impossible to speed him up. He makes the right decision every time he's double teamed. He knows how to get to his own offense quickly when he has to. And I just feel like this dude is set up to be an absolute killer in the playoffs because there's basically no way 
you can defend him with the way he's playing right now. I mean, as long as these mid-range shots keep falling, and why should we believe that they're magically going to start missing, right, after everything yeah. we've seen this year? Uh, I think DeRozan is setting himself up for an absolutely killer postseason run, and as long as the Bulls can get Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, and perhaps most importantly, Zach Levine fully healthy, I really believe the Bulls are going to be a threat to go all the way to the NBA Finals. I really think that. Uh, and it is because of DeMar's late-game brilliance. He just makes the right play every single time in the end-of-game situations, and more often than not, that's him carrying the scoring load. Yeah, and, like, I don't want to get too, like, meatball, like, narrative-y stuff. But, like, like there have been a lot of, like, really good features written on DeMar, uh, especially, like, going over the All-Star break. And it just seems like he's just in, like, a great headspace. Uh, just, like, he's just, like, like I know he was he went through some like really tough times with like his his father dying the last couple of years, uh and but just like he seems to just like be in a great great spot for him. He like he's just worked so much on his game, worked so hard on his craft, and he just seems to be in just like a perfect spot where, where it does just feel like where the playoffs are are built for like his kind of game with the mid range slowing down ISO stuff, uh and it just seems like he is just everything is just coming together for him that. He said maybe he doesn't shoot like whatever 52, 53% in the playoffs. Like he's basically shooting right now. But like, yeah, there's like at this point, because I, I, earlier this season, I was also skeptical. Like, is he going to really keep this up all season? And like right now, he's just like getting better and better. So at this point, there, like, there really is no reason to think he's going to like fall off a big amount. Like I said, I think at some point in the playoffs, probably maybe fall off a little bit, but not enough where it like really matters. So yeah, I mean, just Samar is just seems to be just totally locked in. Great in just in a great spot mentally. He's just leading this team and it's been it's been awesome. So yeah, I mean the Bulls just with this Eastern Conference being just so tight and with the guys coming back, no one is really standing out. If DeMar is playing like this and if Zach can get to back to, could get to a level where he's playing well and Vooch playing well and they get and they're they're playing good defense when Lonzo and Crusoe hopefully come back. Yeah, why can't the Bulls make a deep playoff run? I mean, they they have plenty of talent. I know they're not maybe not quite the high end talent as some of the other teams, but they can at least they can make things really difficult for some of the other teams out there. And James, while DeRozan is obviously stealing the headlines after another just incredible clutch performance to save the Bulls and give them a win, uh, a game they really needed, like you said, due to how yep. difficult their second half, quote unquote, second half schedule is with, I think, 23, now 22 games left. The second most valuable player on the Bulls in this game was Io DeSumo, and it's not even close. Oh, yeah. Io once again put Trey Young in hell. And in a season full of so many feel-good moments for the Bulls, I got to say, Iowa's absolute domination against Trey Young is one that just brings a smile to my face and is one of my personal favorite on the year. We had someone nickname Io the Rat Trap trap. because he does nothing but put Trey Young in jail. And goddamn, he did it again tonight. Trey Young, 37 minutes, shoots 3 of 17 from the floor, finishes with 14 points, 10 assists, 0 of 5 from 3. He got Eight, eight points on free throws, eight of his 14. And it basically felt like Trey Young knew he could not get a clean look off against Io's defense. And he had to resort to some cheap foul drawing tricks. It's like he wasn't even playing basketball. He was mostly just hunting for the foul. Io took him totally out of rhythm, took him totally out of his game. This is a guy who's been unquestionably one of the best guards in the NBA this year. Io locked his ass down. He did it to set up the DeRozan game winner late in the fourth quarter. His defense 
is has just become so, so impactful for the Bulls. And they might not have Lonzo Ball right now. They might not have Alex Caruso, but they do have another ace defender in Io DeSumo. Uh, we saw him hit a sick crossover into yes. mid-range pull-up in this game. Uh, we saw him finish coast-to-coast in transition. The dude just gets better and better every single game. Uh, and, man, Io is so good. So, so damn good. And these performances against Trey Young have really certified and stamped how effective he is in this rookie season. Yeah, absolutely. And like Trey Young is obviously a really good, great player. He was pulling some bullshit, his bullshit today. Uh, speaking of that, the officiating today was really bizarre. A lot of late calls, multiple late calls going in favor of Trey Young. Also, I mean, also in favor of the Bulls. Really bizarre officiating today, but. Yeah, I mean, Io. I mean, the last defensive possession against Trade to four to leading up to that Demar game winner, absolutely incredible. The length uh, to bother that shot. I don't know if he got a piece of that or not. I can't remember exactly, but he definitely bothered that shot. Uh, super impressive, and he's done it multiple times, like basically all season. Uh, going back to I think that first game against the Hawks, where Kobe they put they put Kobe on him, Trey Young to start, got absolutely roasted. They changed to Io and like Io completely locked him down, and it's kind of been the same thing all season. Uh, in all their matches this year, it was kind of, it was kind of, Chris Dunn kind of had that same thing against uh, Trey Young as well, and I hated Chris Dunn, but Io is obviously much better. But uh, it's been yeah, it's just been so awesome to watch Io all season. His on-ball defense, him becoming such a good on-ball defender so quickly has been just huge for this team with Caruso and Lonzo out. Io obviously still has some. Uh, some issues guard in terms of rotations, off ball stuff that it happens as a rookie, but the on ball stuff against a guy like Trey Young to do that stuff with the, at the point of attack is huge. And then, as you mentioned, he also had some really awesome offensive plays today. A couple of huge three pointers in the third quarter. That that mid range cross uh, after the crossover was sick. Had a really nice finish in transition, as you said. Uh, so he's him him stepping up has just been so huge with Lonzo and Caruso out and uh, I mean as an as an Illinois guy myself uh, it's just been it's been just been uh, it's warmed my heart to see Io been so, be so good after I know a lot of people questioned them drafting him at all and I I was I questioned how good he would be come even as good as he was at Illinois like coming into the NBA and he has just surpassed my expectations all of our expectations and it, and him, watching him shut down and all an all-star all NBA player like Trey young, uh, just awesome stuff to see. And he, he was, he was on his ass all day and it was great. Just made, made his life hell. As you said, if you're a basketball junkie, then you know, there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis 
analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so I think we should bring up some people to, you know, talk about this game, Jace. But before we do that, we should talk about Tristan Thompson. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, yeah, Tristan's debut. In his Bulls debut, 11 points, six rebounds, goes three for three from the field. Uh, he looked like, you know, reasonably everything we could have hoped for. Absolutely. Buyout signing. I think you saw where he's different from Tony Bradley in this game, who was the Bulls and coming back up five. Uh, Tristan had better hands. The ball, yeah. <laughs> he can catch the ball. Yeah, he has much better hands than Bradley does. Uh, you saw that right away. And then a couple times, like, he had DeLon Wright or another guard on him with a switch down low, and you just saw how aggressive he was attacking it, throwing that big ass to create space down low. He does have a big ass. He He's had a big behind. The boy's thick. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he is just sort of able to – create space in tight areas because of his strength and he doesn't have like great hops anymore. I think that that's probably where he's declined the most physically. So he is going to have to still finish those attempts. Uh, you know, if he's not dunking them cleanly every time and hopefully he does just dunk every single time he gets the ball down the floor. He, but. Yeah. He does. Still, even though he doesn't have quite the vertical pop, like he went up a few times hard to throw it down today. So that was nice to see yeah, so I thought Thompson, he looks really good. I mean, the yeah. Bulls could for sure use more offensive rebounding this year. Now, yeah. part of the reason their offensive rebounding numbers are so low is because they focus so much on transition defense. You can't really have it both ways. But given the hole the Bulls had at backup center, I think that Thompson is like reasonably the best guy they could have gotten. And this is sort of what the best version of his game looks like, right? Like, Bull in a china shop down low, uh, just basically able to hit the glass super, super hard and finish pretty effectively inside. So I think that he is a major upgrade uh, over Bradley. But but what's sort of nice about it is that, like, Bradley's still got the length. If you need more rim protection, if you need more shot blocking, Tristan gives you someone who's going to be a little bit better offensively, I think. He's going to be a lot better on the glass. And he gives you some juice in, like, DHOs and, like, little playmaking sets just because he's been around in, like, high-leverage playoff games. Played in the NBA Finals, what, four times with the Cavs? So, yeah. Uh, I think that was a, a, a sharp pickup by the Bulls. Obviously, they had to give him a little bit more than the minimum to get him to come. Uh, and, you know, maybe we won't be looking at that like such a poor move after what he showed in his debut. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Bradley is Bradley's had some moments this season. Like, he's huge, just a giant man. So, like, certain matchups, like, maybe it could be better to go to Tony Bradley just because he's large and like, I think he's like a seven, five, seven, six wingspan, something like that. And he's had, like I said, he's had some moments, blocks some shots uh, and does all that. But Tristan definitely just helps with more versatility. Uh, and he's an elite rebounder. He's always been good at rebounding. That's going to be like the one thing he's always good at. And then also, yeah, I mean, offensively, Tony Bradley can't like catch a pass or do like anything with the ball. And we saw Tristan tonight. Uh, he can set screens, play some pick and roll stuff, can catch a ball entry passes and go up and finish. 
uh, in traffic. We saw that a few times tonight. It was really nice to see that. So, yeah, like the bar just super low, obviously, for Bulls backup center with Bradley. With, I mean, Tyler Cook is a two way guy. You played Derek Jones Jr., he's undersized. Marco obviously can't play. So, Tristan, like the bar for him to be, make an impact, and we said this coming into this, just like was very low. And he blew past that tonight. He was great. Like you said, I think we had like 11 and six. Uh, that's if Tristan is giving something like, like 10 and five, like every night off the bench, that's absolutely huge. Uh, and he's as good as we could expect tonight. And if we can get that moving forward, I, I trust him way more as a guy, as you mentioned, with all that playoff and championship experience. I don't trust Tony Bradley to do anything in meaningful games. So uh, definitely, I think, a good pickup. Pick up. I know we've debated about – or we debated last pod, and people have debated whether they should have given him that extra money. Um, for a team that is uh, in, in the, where they are right now – I don't really. I don't. I guess I don't really mind giving that extra, using that biannual exception to do that. If he can play like he he did today, moving forward, it'll hopefully be a good pickup uh, for the rest of the season and in the playoffs. All right. So does anyone else want to jump on stage, talk about this game, talk about Demar, some of the other things we saw uh, in this contest? Feel free to request. Jason will allow you to come on stage. Uh, so anyone who wants to talk, please oh. uh, jump up. We got we got our guy Kevin Kevin Farragut. Hold on, I'm accepting right now. Let's go. Get ready for some Troy Brown slander, folks. <laughs> uh, Troy Brown with a sick air ball on a wide open three today. How about it? <laughs> he did hit one though. Stacy was shocked that he actually hit it. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. I was I was not doing so good when I thought the Bulls were going to blow that game, but uh, Demar, their guardian angel, once again uh, came through and. Uh, save save their asses one more time. So uh, I, I'm I'm in a much better mood than I was when there was about a minute left to go in the game and it looked like they were blowing it. Kevin, what were your uh, takeaways from this game? Whether it's big picture sense, uh, you know, short term sense. You know, what do you take away from this victory? Um, yeah, so I think that there were a couple of things. Uh, it was good that they won a game where mostly everybody played like crap. Like Demar obviously was great. Um, Io was great. Had uh, had Trey in the Io penitentiary, um, <laughs> and uh, and in the rat trap. You got you got both of those. I think the rat trap is specifically when he's guarding Trey, and I'm going to say that the the Io penitentiary is for everyone else. Um, <laughs> but uh, but so those two were were really good. I I really liked what I saw from Tristan for the most part. I, I thought. There were a few times where it seemed like he got confused and they gave up layups because of it. But for the most part, I thought his activity was really good. Um, and I thought that his um, rebounding obviously was was important uh, f- for the minutes that he played. Um, got, they got to get some somebody besides Io who can get bigs the ball like in position yeah. to score because he's like seems like the only one who knows how to do it consistently. Um, Demar's pretty good at it, but uh, Io is like, uh, I don't know if it's all those years of uh, feeding the ball to Kofi um, or, or what, but he he knows how to just drop it in guys' uh, laps so that they can get uh, an easy layup or dunk. Um, but I think in terms of big picture stuff, I think that as teams start to just d- double Demar to get the ball out of uh, out of his hands. I, I think that Io and Kobe are both pretty good at making quick decisions. Um, obviously, Vooch is pretty good at that. Zach is pretty good at that. But 
Um, they've got to get uh, they got to get Troy Brown out of the rotation. <laughs> There's the Troy uh, Brown slander. <laughs> yeah, it was, you knew it was coming, but yeah, I mean, when Caruso gets back, I just don't see any reason for him to play. Like we got Matt Thomas out of the rotation. That's a big plus. Um, I think Troy's got to be the next one to to lose his minutes. He's just um, he holds the ball too much. He does. He's not enough of a shooting threat. Um, and he's more theoretically good at defense than, than actually good. But it's it, the thing that he, where he really hurts the team, I think, is mostly just uh, when they have Demar getting doubled and they, they need people to make quick decisions uh, out, out of the double team um, and move the ball to, to get the, the best open shot. He just often kind of kind of blows that. So um, I'm looking forward to uh, AC getting back and uh, being a, a better option there. Yeah, it was funny when Troy hit that one three-pointer off the dribble and Stacy was like, oh, shit, I can't believe he made that shot. Like, clearly just shocked that he made it. And then he airballed a wide-open three-pointer later in the game. Uh, brutal. Uh, anyways, let's bring our guy Steph Noah up here. Steph, thoughts on this game and all and everything? Hey, can you guys hear me? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I only watched uh, the second half of this game, so I can't say anything too intelligent about the game overall. <laughs> but I do want to go back to something that Ricky was saying about um, how this team is built for playoff success. Uh, I've I, I agree completely with Ricky, and uh, it's something I've written about a little bit on um, speaking about how the game slowed down in the playoff and playoffs, and uh, Demar is like so well built for that. I think you can also talk about the other end of the floor too, where. Um, you know, when other teams go isolation heavy against the Bulls, they have these guys that are so good at guarding one on one. You saw it with Io tonight, and they're missing their best perimeter defender, like isolation perimeter defender in Alex Caruso, who's probably, I don't know, top three in the league at that. So I just think that uh, I'm, I'm definitely with Ricky here that, um, like, I, I think the Bulls might fall in the standings a little bit with this brutal schedule, but yeah. it shouldn't really concern Bulls fans too much because. When the playoffs come around, like these these guys can match up against anyone. So I'm definitely uh, excited for when uh, we get the whole team back. Yeah, I'm just like even like all these tough games. I'm just excited to watch them play like meaningful basketball against actual competition late in late in the season. I'm just very excited about that. I guess we just gotta hope that they don't fall like into like what are they right now? Like five or six games, I think, ahead of. Just like stay above the play in turn or out of the play in tournament. Hopefully, be hopefully stay in the top four so you have a home court in the first round. Uh, like I know the Cavs lost tonight to the Pistons. They they got some injuries, so that's good to see them lose that game. Just the East is just so bunched up right now. It's so crazy. I know Steph, you wrote I believe a big thing at Sporting News about just the East being just so just like so crazy right now. So with with yeah with this tough schedule, you, you hope they just like kind of keep uh, or defend home court win enough games here because i know they got some really tough games coming up where they stay up in this area and that one two three four spot uh hope i was you hope that no one else like gets really hot i guess and the celtics have been playing really well though they won big today we'll see like what happens with the nets we'll see what happens with the sixers the bulls play the sixers coming up with james harden but uh if they can get in that keep, stay in that top four hopefully get a decent matchup in the first round yeah, I mean they they are when they have been healthy. Like we know that they can play great on both ends of the court. Uh, they have two guys who can score in ISO situations. They have guys who can defend in ISO situations. Vooch is has been like a decent defender. 
in terms of, or, and is a great rebounder and with those good defenders in front of him. So like the bulls at this point, I feel like they can beat anybody. They could easily also lose in the first round. The East is just like so tough like that. But, uh, I also think they could just beat anybody. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's me and Kev talked about this for a while. Uh, last week on, on, on the pod, just like going through like each team in the East and like how the bulls match up. And like a lot of these teams like seem really tough and like a pain in the ass, but like, I don't know. The bulls can probably beat also beat any of them. Even if I like, don't feel great about going up against some of these teams against Embiid and Harden, they've never beaten Embiid in his career and against, against Giannis. But like, the Bulls have a team that could really just make tight or life really tough for all these teams. And I could see, I'll see them beating any of them too. I think that the big concern is you don't want to play the Sixers and the Nets. Yeah. And the thing is like, if the Bulls fall in the standings, it's not the end of the world because, um, so you don't want them to be in the play and that's for sure. But you're right. Number, yeah. As long as that, as long as they stay in that top six. <laughs> yeah, the number seven seed is the Raptors right now. They're five and a half games back of the Bulls, and then the number eight team is the Nets, who are eight games back. So probably, if you finish in like the top two seeds, you have like a fifty-fifty chance of facing the Nets, which would be like terrible. So if they do fall, like it, it's a very easy fall to three. That's actually like might be a good thing <laughs> for the team because then you avoid the Nets in the first round, and then. Um, if that happens too, like there's a really good chance the Sixers face the Nets in the first round and you know, you get one of your biggest opponents out of the way right there. Uh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the Sixers will be I mean but I guess both those teams will be really fascinating to watch here coming up. And I so said the Bulls play the Sixers, I think what, in a couple of weeks? We'll see. Yeah, and like and Harden will play, I think tomorrow is gonna make his debut. Uh I said the Bulls have never beaten Joel Embiid. That's, I, I just like the, the Sixers. And I, I said, I, we think we talked about this with Kevin on my, our, one of our recent pods. Like it just, every like Sixers game is so has been super annoying because they like kind of stick around and then Embiid kills them and all their like dumbass three point shooters beat them. Now they have James Harden on top of that. So I'm curious to see like how Harden does fit in with that Sixers team. If he's not going to, if he's going to actually be like in shape and not a complete useless bum, like, well, he wasn't useless with the Nets, but like he was mailing it in. So I definitely would worry about the Sixers and like a lot of these other teams too. Like the Nets, we'll see. Like Katie will be back soon. We'll see when Simmons plays. Kyrie might be able to actually play full time coming up. Uh, so the East is just so, so full of really good teams. Steph, I do, Steph, I do want to ask you, as me and Kevin did talk about this. And uh, last week's pod, I mean, who would you prefer to face in the first round? Like, who's your ideal first round matchup for the Bulls? Well, you guys know that I think the Bucks are huge frauds. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> a hot take artist there. I know a lot of people think the Bulls are or the the Bucks are favorites in the East, but I just don't believe in them at all. And then, uh, yeah, everybody wants to draw the Cavs. You know, just process of elimination. Like they're the least proven team. But as you said, man, like the East is just completely deadly. Aside from the Cavs and maybe the Raptors. The other six teams that are going to make the playoffs, I mean, uh, there's no matchup that I'm really licking my chops to get there. Yeah, it was like I mean, Boston blew out. I think Brooklyn tonight. They've been they've looked ridiculously good lately. I mean, the Raptors, as we know, are a pain in the ass. Uh, yeah, all these teams just look really, really good. Ricky Ricky is back. Ricky dropped off. He his phone died. He uh, dropped off for a second. Ricky uh, Ricky, since you were not part of uh, the pod with me and Kev last week. What do you think about uh, just like playoff matchups for the Bulls? 
who do, would you like to face? Who do you, who is I like your ideal matchup, at least in the first round? Yeah, I totally agree that there's just not going to be any easy matchups available. Like even Cleveland is going to present pretty unique problems playing two seven footers, having a shot creator and a point guard like Garland, uh, who is so good at what he does. But you probably got to think the Cavs are, you know, if the Bulls were to get into a four or five with the Cavs, well, that's not like the seed the Bulls want to get in particularly. Uh, I think you'd have to be feeling pretty good about that matchup. And then Toronto has just been so damn annoying. I'm really hoping Toronto, if the Bulls do get uh, the one or the two seed, that Toronto can lose in the play-in tournament uh, to either Charlotte, maybe Atlanta. It might be unlikely, but it would be awesome to see them not in the East playoff bracket. I'd feel much better about the Bulls against the Hornets or against the Hawks if they were to grab one of those top two seeds. Uh, and then, you know, I, I do think the Bulls would be favorites against the Raptors for sure. I just think yeah. that series would be annoying as hell because that's what the Raptors are. They're a super annoying team. They throw a bunch of length at you. They throw a bunch of quickness at you. And most importantly, they throw a lot of junk defenses at you that Nick Nurse is just going to be able to go to on the fly uh, and have his guys executed at a pretty high level. So all that being said, though, I feel pretty good about the Bulls in terms of like every matchup. Uh, I think that they're no worse than a coin flip in any matchup they play in the Eastern Conference. I think, you know, the, I agree with what Steph said about the Bucks. I think the Bucks losing Brook Lopez, uh, now he may come back, but how effective is he going to be as a mid-37-footer with a back injury? We know they don't have P.J. Tucker anymore. Uh, and then, you know, Middleton basically went supernova as a half-court scorer for them last year in the postseason. He was an all-star this year, but his play has noticeably declined this year, I think. Like, yes. Middleton right now is he not the same been Middleton. An this year. He shouldn't have been an all-star. No, Middleton right now is not the same player that we saw in last year's playoff run when you had guys like C.J. McCollum saying, hey, actually, Chris Middleton should be finals MVP. That was always ridiculous, but it just speaks to the level of half-court shot making that Middleton was able to provide. So unless Middleton gets back to that level and unless Brooke Lopez can give him more than I think is likely, uh, you know, I think the, the they're gonna be, it's going to be a coin flip series. I really feel that way, despite the fact that the Bucks have arguably the best player in the world in Giannis. So, uh, and then... You know, I was not super scared of the Nets when I thought Kyrie was only going to be a part-time player because that team just lacked any sort of shot creation outside of Kevin Durant if Kyrie wasn't going to be on the floor. And they have so many guys in the backcourt defensively you can take advantage of because they're just so small. It's Seth Curry with Patty Mills, uh, even Joe Harris. He's been injured, but if he comes back. But now that Kyrie is likely to be a full-time player for the Nets, I think the Nets got a lot scarier. I wrote a column on that today at SBNation.com. You can check that out. Uh, Kyrie, you know. They got, they got Dragic, too. <laughs> Not that he's stopping it, defensively, but that's it, like a nice little bump for their bench. And if they do have Kyrie full-time, obviously that makes them much more difficult. And honestly, I'm worried about uh, the Celtics, too, because the Celtics are yep. a ridiculously high level. Uh, if anyone else wants to come up, we'd love to have you. I see we got Larry in the room. I know we had Mark in the room earlier before I got uh, booted. Steph and Kevin, thank you guys both so much uh, for jumping on. So if anyone else wants to jump up, uh, please be my guest. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, besides that, like looking ahead, we got – 
what Grizzlies Saturday. Ja got hurt tonight, right? He came back though, I think. So I'm I'm curious to see how Ja if that's going to be an injury that actually like knocks him out for Saturday's game. The I believe I'm pretty sure the Grizzlies have been like really good without Ja this year. Like shockingly, they're just a really deep team, really solid team. Uh, but like if he if he doesn't play, like that's a game you got to win. Home game against the Grizzlies without Ja, you got to win that game to get to 40 and 21. With uh, and then you go into Miami, and I believe that's Monday, uh, which would be a really exciting game. Bulls that Heat, uh, basically for the top of the Eastern Conference right there. So yeah, I mean, looking ahead again, the schedule is really tough, uh, and I but I kind of I like it though. Like the Bulls, like, they're going to be tested so so much down the stretch here. Uh, well, they're going to get their guys back. Hopefully, hopefully there aren't any other injuries. But going into the playoffs, I feel like I just like that they're going to be tested this much. They, they, maybe they don't they don't do great. Maybe they do fall a little bit in the standings. But as was said earlier, that couldn't maybe that won't be the worst thing in the world if they do fall a little bit, uh, depending on the matchups. But I think they'll just be good to get tested like so much down the stretch of the season, and hopefully they do get their guys back, get some time in before the playoffs, and then going into the playoffs. Hopefully, again, hopefully, knock on wood, healthy uh, after this tough stretch and. They'll be ready to roll. We'll see. It should be really interesting. Yeah, and, you know, to me, big takeaway for tonight is will teams copy the Hawks' defensive scheme of just doubling DeMar basically every time he touched the ball? You can trust DeMar to make the right decision in those situations. But, like, let's be honest, dude, DeMar's been sort of the life jacket for the Bulls in late game situations all year. If you do force the ball out of his hands, the other guys have to be able to win – uh, in those advantage situations. So that is kind of the big takeaway for me tonight is just like the Hawks sent to it DeMar after he had 20 pretty much every possession down the floor. And DeMar still ended with 37. So yeah. DeMar still killed it. He still hit the biggest shot of the night. He was incredible in the fourth quarter. Uh, he was licking his chops every time he saw DeAndre Hunter, every time he saw Kevin Knox. But I do think it's a question, like what happens in the postseason if DeMar's seeing doubles in the second half? consistently yeah sorry I'm, this illinois game is getting really crazy here in the last two couple minutes but i mean big time like with zach i agree with what mark just said too actually i was thinking of the whole game is like kobe's great with demar because he can spam threes yeah. quick catch and shoot threes tonight he was in foul trouble i think that limited his effectiveness kobe kobe got screwed tonight by some real bullshit calls i think uh yeah he had five fouls and some really late calls, as I mentioned earlier, the refs were really weird tonight with the late calls. But yeah, there was one. There, I think there was one possession clearly where Tamar drive drove to the middle, defense collapses, hit Kobe at the top of the key, hit a three pointer, uh, and they 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 absolutely do need that. I know I I know I've I've questioned whether like what type of role Kobe will play in the playoff rotation, uh, but when they do. Uh, when teams do like double Demar, like you definitely need a guy who can break that. And Kobe, when he is rolling, can absolutely break that with this three-point shooting. Uh, so hopefully he is able to do that. And then Zach, like we we haven't talked about Zach that much. I know you br- brought him up earlier. Like he did not look that good tonight. I don't know. I don't know if it really was as much athletically it was his problem. Uh, he had like a few really nice drives. Uh, I feel like it, it, maybe maybe it was him just like not trusting the knee. I thought his. He did a little too much dribbling, some really bad shot selection, as I mentioned earlier. I thought just like, just there was one, I know there was one possession in the third quarter where just no pass 
long mid-range two. And then late in the fourth quarter, he had a couple of really bad possessions where he chucked up bad shots. So getting Zach, as you mentioned, getting Zach, I don't, I don't know if he'll ever actually be like healthy, like actually healthy because this knee thing, he got the, he got whatever fluid drained. He got the cortisone injection, got the, uh, the the uh, whatever the PR whatever that the platelet tra- uh, treatment or whatever plasma treatment hopefully that'll like just keep him keep him going for the rest of the season so I don't know if he'll actually ever be healthy healthy he needs to be better than he was tonight be, needs to be able to uh, beat the when Demar is double teamed needs to be able to beat that and make the right decisions we know Zach has that issues making with that late game decision making. So that'll be definitely something to watch with him, Kobe, playing off Demar. Also, Vooch. Vooch is usually very good at with his decision-making, making quick passes out to shooters as well. So we'll definitely be something to watch. Last thing I want to say, I don't have the box score in front of me, but I know Derek Jones took at least one three tonight and might have taken he, he a took couple. a couple. He took a couple. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, so to me, it seems like it's going to be a question in the playoffs, like, are you going to go with Kobe in the rotation? Are you going to go with Derek Jones in the rotation? There's probably eight guys who definitely deserve rotation minutes. I think that. And then we'll see what happens with Pat too. I mean, Pat, yeah, it's a question. Uh, you know, we'll see what level he comes back at. I don't think he should be like gifted minutes. I think he should no. have to earn his minutes. Absolutely. After not playing the whole season. But I just think this makes Kobe even more important, you know, and Kobe has been a little bit of a high variance player, but I think he's played really well over the last month in particular, maybe even the last two months. Uh, this wasn't his best game. And I thought, like you said, he got, he was a victim of some cheap foul calls, but uh, they're going to need his, his catch and shoot ability, dude, when people send to it tomorrow. So something to think about another takeaway from this game, I think. Absolutely. Uh, I got nothing left here. Like I said, I'm watching the end of this crazy ass Illinois Ohio state game, losing my mind here. But uh, if anyone else, wants to come up request to speak has questions comments in the chat here otherwise i think we'll wrap it up yeah i think give give it a second as i mentioned we got grizzlies saturday heat monday uh ricky are you available to do another one of these on monday against the after the heat game uh, kind of actually, I can't because if anyone who knows me knows, I play basketball oh, myself right. on Monday nights. And, you got uh, your game? Yeah, that's right. I forgot. I'm an idiot. I'm hooping on Monday nights. ZW Martin continues to duck me on the court on Monday night. But, uh, yeah, I'll have to rewatch that one, unfortunately. All right, that's fair. We'll that's do fair. another one of these soon, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think dur- during the second – with these, we I think we got, what, 22, 23 games left? We'll try to do a few more of these uh, down the stretch of the season, obviously into the playoffs. Uh, these are always fun to do. Jesus, was that E.J. Liddell? Fucker. Sorry. Illinois, Illinois OSU game. Just going down the wire here. But yes. Uh, all right. Well, we, that, we will do a pod next week then. Like I said, we got heat, uh, Grizzlies heat. And then we got a couple, finally, the Bulls have a couple days off next week. I'm pretty sure it's been like over a month since the Bulls have actually hit, besides obviously the all-star break, but like between games, the Bulls have just been playing a ridiculous schedule. Uh, so it'll be nice to them to have another couple days off next week before they play Atlanta again next Thursday and then the Bucks next uh, Friday. I'm going to that Bucks game next Friday. That's I mean ESPN game. I cannot wait to boo Grayson Allen and just scream at him and yell uh, obscenities at him from the 300 level. Uh, that it's gonna be a lot of fun. But 
So no one else says anything. We're going to wrap it up here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for to Steph and Kevin for uh, commenting here. Uh, again, we will probably be back sometime next week. So uh, thanks again for everybody for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. This has been Cash Considerations, Asia Bulls Podcast. Take it easy, guys, and good Bulls victory tonight. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.